Um, all right, with that in mind, though, I am here with Aaron Chase hey. of the Buddy System and uh, <laughs> of Riverside County in the Inland Empire scene, comedy scene. Uh, my name is Danny Frank, and welcome back to another exciting edition of Danny Frank's Walks of Life. Um, before we get started, I just want to thank everybody for their comments, their reviews on Apple Podcasts and on Podbean. Uh, there's a lot of awesome people out there interacting with me. And uh, if you know anybody out there that might enjoy this podcast, please let them know. I would love to grow the listenership. And uh, if you can, it would mean the world to me. Just subscribe everywhere. Uh, please rate and review, honestly, because I really want to know. Um, but, you know, each rate and review helps me to kind of be seen a little bit easier. Uh, and it tells me where, what I'm doing right and what I'm doing wrong. So uh, if you can, please, it just takes a few minutes. Rate, subscribe, and tell your friends. Um, but yeah, before we get going, I just wanted to read three of these new uh, reviews I got on Apple Podcasts. Uh, uh, it looks like Captain Dr. Aranda is the username. Said, good podcast. I listened to the first episode of my sister-in-law, Chica. Yay, real proud of her, and kept listening because Danny does a great job with interviews and empathizing with his guests. Uh, thank you so much, Captain Dr. Rhonda. I'm glad you're enjoying the podcast so far, and uh, you know what? Chic is awesome. It's, I'm glad you're related to her. Uh, Mama Labs, whoever that is, also said, love it. Super amazing podcast with the best host. Highly, highly recommend. Thank you, Mama Labs. And Nina is a bear, said, interesting and relaxing. Uh, interesting idea for a podcast. It's really lighthearted and the conversations flow well. Easy going and wonderful guests. Thank you guys so much. Uh, really does mean the world to me. Um, but without further ado, let, let's just get into it. Uh, Aaron Chase. <laughs> yeah, man. How are you, dude? I'm, I'm really good, man. This is the happiest I've been in my life. Yeah? Yeah. So despite the quarantine, despite COVID-19, Despite everything that's going on in the world right now. I think in a weird way, because of everything that's going on, uh, is made me... Okay, don't get me wrong, I'm angry about a lot of stuff. But, like, I, I this was the first time in my... Literally in my life I ever had time to myself yeah. for a long period of time. And through that and through being able to, like, relax for a little bit, I, I learned a lot about myself and I just... I'm just happy, man. It's weird. Let's uh, let's kind of get into that because I know you used to be one of the busiest people. I think. Oh, I'm still very busy. You're still very busy. Yeah. yeah don't <laughs> don't make me uh, don't mistake me for mistake what I said for calling you lazy or anything. Because uh, you you're definitely not. But uh, you, George Ferrito, William Henderson, and a couple other people uh, ran the Buddy System comedy production group out here in the Inland Empire, and uh, you guys ran a lot of the mics. If not, I'd say the lion's share the mics and shows in the Inland Empire. Um, you think that that's fair to say, right? I'd say so, yeah. Yeah, and uh, you guys had something going on, it seemed like, every single night of the week for, how long has it been now? It's like two years? Uh, yeah, I would say we that that every single night of the week was about two years long, yeah. Yeah, dude, my, uh, my hat's off to you, because that's <laughs> a lot to do, and uh, you guys did it well. Thank you. I'm coming to realize how much work that actually was now that everything stopped yeah. i was like jesus christ what was i doing well so i mean you've been doing it for like two years consistently you never really stopped to smell the roses and look at what you're building now that you've had a chance to like stop and look at it are you kind of proud of what you've built and done um yes and no i mean it's gonna it's i guess it's gonna 
this question then brings up the elephant in the room that we'll talk about if that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, without you know speaking on anybody else's behalf, uh, I'll say this. I think when I first came, and I started out in the Inland Empire uh, comedy scene, I think when I first started out, I kind of felt a little bit ostracized by the buddy system, even though I know that that was not the intent uh, of the buddy system to do definitely wasn't the intent to like make anyone feel bad or like an outsider um but i think there might be this perception of you floating around out there it might um, there might be <laughs> i don't know we'll get into it but, yeah uh, yeah that you know you you're kind of cocky maybe you don't care about the other comedians and you just want to succeed for yourself and you don't really care about anybody outside the buddy system um maybe come off a little standoffish without realizing it i mean it, do you think uh i'll just say it point blank do you feel like you're a controversial figure out here in the Illinois empire comedy scene uh i'm starting to uh in that in that you're not the first person to bring this up to me you're the first person to bring up it directly which again i know i said this before we set up but i'm gonna say it again jesus christ man thank you for just talking to me oh dude no thank you for talking to me too this is good for both of us yeah uh for anybody out there wondering this is how adults talk things out um <laughs> yeah we don't do that often these days not in 2020 not and yeah. that's why i'm glad that we can actually sit down and be real and you know because i think um i mean i won't speak for you but I, I feel like you're maybe not i think you're misunderstood i would say that's fair yeah, um, um but tell tell me what you so you've been told before you come off a little bit well, what, what I've been told isn't how I come off, isn't what I've been doing. I've just been told that people don't like me. Yeah. So what ends up happening is somebody will say like, hey, man, her people are talking shit. And I'm like, oh, well, that's not good. And then more. That's just that's the, the cycle I've had for but the they past. They don't really identify. No. And I don't ask. I don't I never ask who it is or what they're saying, because it it, it feels like it would it would make me feel biased towards a person. Like, I'd rather just not, I don't know. I don't, I didn't, I just didn't want to affect other people in that way. You know what I mean? I didn't want maybe my own personal biases to affect. So I just never asked who it was. Yeah. And I just wanted to wait till someone talked to me. So you talked to me. So now we can talk about it, I guess. Right on. Um, and as far as, um, okay, I'll, I'll set it up in two camps, two mentalities. Yeah. There was pre-quarantine mentality and then post-quarantine mentality. Yeah. Or whatever, mid-quarantine. I don't know. What, what is, does this count as quarantine? I hope we're in the middle. Yeah. Or toward the end, I uh, should say. I hope this isn't the beginning. I know, man. It's like still. watching The Irishman and you're like, what, this is still... When does this, how, what does this end? <laughs> yeah. What are we doing, guys? Um, no, but I guess pre, <laughs> pre-quarantine, the... The irony of, I guess, uh, I, I can only take it from you right now. So yeah. if people think that I don't want other people to succeed, I guess the irony of that was that that was the opposite intention of the buddy system and the opposite of how I feel. I'll say this, um, and I think, and I don't think you do it intentionally either, because I, I realized when I went to a couple of mics and saw you do this, you're just outside trying to bark and bring more people in. But, like, I've seen you kind of upset some people, I think, by walking out when they start their set at an open mic as well and like i feel like maybe just little actions like that yeah maybe feed into people's perception that you don't care about them necessarily that's but, weird to me because yeah. well, okay 
I see, it's funny because I don't know who feels that way, but that's weird to me because like, I'm just trying to make the show run and I'm trying to do stuff. Right, and I don't <laughs> think that's everybody's perception. They okay. don't realize that you're actually just in the background trying to get the thing running. Yeah. Because like I know that people don't always necessarily see the stress that I go under when I'm like producing and trying to run a show. Um, but it's real. Yeah. And like, I imagine when you're running a mic, I haven't ran a mic in a long time, but I imagine, you know, it's the same pressure that you just want to keep things moving, keep things going. You're not necessarily paying attention to like the individual performances no. at that point because you got a million other things in your mind. If someone right? asked me to pay attention, I would. I, I, honestly, I don't even know why they would want me to pay attention. Yeah. I don't know why my opinion of their set would matter all that much. Um, because I don't think, because I'm not good yet. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not, you know what? I'm going to go back to that describing yeah. pre and post. So pre, get you too far oh, that's all good. <laughs> so, um, pre, pre COVID, I came from a background of improv, theater, film, and music, which is all collaborative. So in my head, starting the buddy system, I had the same mentality of like, okay, we're all going to work together. It's, it is us versus the world. We're all going to work together and get move forward as long as everyone puts the work in. And what I didn't, what I didn't understand is that like, stand-up comedy is a very solo pursuit art form, unless you're like a twin act or something. Unless you're the Smash Brothers, like yeah. Unfortunately, even if you try and be companions, um, as much as I want to think that we're all on the same team I and mean, we're all teammates it's more like we're all co-workers kind of yeah. would you say that's fair yeah i would say so and it's like i I, re I know that when i first came into the comedy scene and just comedy in general i wanted to i had a much more idyllic version i think of what things are and could be um, but the further you get into it it's, it's just it, you realize there is definitely a business aspect to this and because of that uh, we are all a lot more similar to being co-workers yeah, I would agree. And and then when quarantine happened yeah. and I had time to myself, I got to this place of like, oh, okay, this is, I, I was listening to Kevin Hart. This is me versus me. Yeah. Like, I don't. You're trying to mine yourself yeah. out of whatever this block is, right, that society has created. Yeah, man, like, like this whole the idea i had pre-covid of everybody and we're all in this together and i'm gonna lead the charge whatever it just it was stressful and it was exhausting for me it clearly has caused me a lot of problems and issues so <laughs> i'm sorry it's fine it's fine I, I i dug my own fucking grave clearly um george was very smart about keeping <laughs> he would hide in the corner in the shadows do dad in with the with the mixer <laughs> yeah so i um i I don't, I guess to address it directly, I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to stop any, I don't think I've ever stopped anybody from succeeding. Like I know you were, we were messaging earlier and you were bringing up the Monopoly comment that I was yeah, trying to make a Monopoly. I, I remember you, I think you said on a podcast once that you were very clearly trying to monopolize the Inland Empire comedy yeah. scene. And I was, yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> like unabashedly, unashamedly, yeah. yeah like. You said that. Yeah. And, and I, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off. Can I elaborate on that? Yeah, no, please. Um, I don't mean to cut you off. I, I don't think that that stops anybody. 
that like me me trying to work hard and build a, a business or whatever in the Inland Empire because nobody was there. It was empty. So I was like, all right, well, we have this empty lot. You remember Hey Arnold? Yeah, totally. Remember the empty lot and they turned it yeah. into a basement? That's kind of how I looked at it. It was like, oh, there's this empty lot here filled with weeds and shit. Let's try to build a baseball field. And but I don't think that stops anybody else but from playing baseball, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I never understood the issue with that. But regardless, I'm not trying to do that anymore. Uh, whenever we go back to whatever new normal is, I'm focused on me. Yeah. Um, I still plan on using the buddy system and it's a brand we built it already we you know yeah, we're gonna you, use it yeah you should you guys have done a lot of successful oh, things thank you but it's this is the way I'm looking at it now is that this is me versus me and I just I plan on being successful in comedy no matter what there's no other option for me I feel you I'm in that same boat yeah and it's not even about money, right? It's just about being good at this. Yeah, man. Like, I just want to get good. That was the whole point. <sighs> Sorry, it's frustrating. Like, no, no, no. Please, vent your frustration. That, <laughs> that was the whole point Everybody, yeah. of it. In the, fr It was like, we need a place to figure out how to get We all suck. We need a place to figure out how yeah. to get good. <laughs> yeah. And so it I was like, well, back we at me uh, at the beginning, too. It's like, oh, wow, you were dog shit. Yeah. And like, you don't even realize it, but. Give it some time. <laughs> a lot of time and a lot of work. Yeah. And I would definitely, okay, I would say this though, where I was definitely wrong, was giving unsolicited advice. Yeah. I did that a lot and I think that uh, that came from a lot of different factors, but mostly like insecurities and a need for control. So you think you were trying to kind of control the situation by like making your reassuring yourself that you know what was going on or what was best or I think what do you mean I think like my thought process was all right everyone here if everyone here is really really good then this then the Inland Empire grows and we all get respect and we can all move forward together so uh, my thought process was um if I can try to give everyone tips and shit when they first come in they'll take those tips cultivate it and get better faster and then as a whole, we can all be better faster. That was my thought process. But what I didn't take into consideration is that not everybody, like sometimes this is a hobby for people. Sometimes it comes off as pretentious or condescending. Sometimes, or, or maybe I should just focus on my fucking self and let people do what they want to do. And so that's kind of the headspace I'm in. Is like, I'm just like, I'm not going to give, if you want my advice, I'll give it to you, but I'm not going to bother people. I understand. And I mean, to be fair, when you first did that and may have maybe accidentally pissed some people off by saying something that they weren't ready to hear or they didn't agree with, um, you can confirm, right, that like it didn't come from a bad place. You were never, no. you never had the intent of hurting somebody or no, them no, in. not at all. I actually, when I when I before I started the buddy system, I started it because I felt ostracized from other comedy communities yeah. so I was in San Diego and I went up to like drove up to like OCLA and stuff and I, w I sucked I wasn't good and everywhere everywhere there were open mics I had to drive an hour and a half and it was just like and and no one was being nice to me because I sucked understandably so yeah and that's just unfortunately just kind of how comedy starts out you kind of have to prove yourself yeah if you go to a new scene in a different city it's the same thing you start over kind of have to prove yourself initially um, is that good or bad I don't know, but it is. It, it is, is what, what it is. is. Hey. Jinx. Um, yeah, man, well, there's our other... Yeah, well, no, um, I'm, glad, I'm glad you talked about that, and uh, we kind of got some of those skeletons out of the closet, you know, and if there's a, 
other questions maybe you want to ask Aaron, uh, feel free to write in. Yeah, just about, yeah. Yeah, or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Contact him. I'm sure he'd be able to talk about it openly and honestly. Um, do you feel better having talked a little bit about this? Yeah, well, yeah. If I mean, I guess if any of those people that I've... Here's... Okay. Yeah. I don't care what people think of me, but I do care about how I affect people's feelings. So if you just don't like, if you feel like I'm pretentious or I'm condescending, I totally understand. Those are my insecurities if that makes you feel better and that's just why I come off that way. Um, but if you dislike me on that level, I totally get it. I dislike myself as well. Um, <laughs> but but if, you, if, if I've hurt your feelings, genuinely, I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to hurt anyone's feelings. And I'll say this too. If he hurt your feelings for whatever reason or if anybody ever hurt your feelings, just talk to them about it. And yeah. that's usually the best way to resolve those unresolved feelings uh don't let it fester become a resentment because then it starts working against you too um but yeah man with that in mind i'm glad we kind of took the we addressed the bull in the china shop for sure yeah and uh i know that i'm glad that we're talking about this stuff but again i think that people just don't really fully understand who you are where what you're about where you come from like where'd you grow up and uh just let people know too in addition to being a comedy producer and a comedian, aspiring comedian. Um, you also are a sign language interpreter during the day, right? Yeah, well, I was, and then shit hit the fan, but yeah. Oh, I've, my bad. That's fine. But yeah, yeah, no, that's a very unique thing in and itself. Yeah. Um, so, like, tell us more. Where, what's your name? Where'd you grow up? Hi, I'm Aaron Chase. <laughs> uh, I, I grew up in Riverside, California, unfortunately. And um, my life, I've come to realize, was actually very rough um you know there's this idea that like if you're growing up in a situation of financial security yeah. then you're good and i grew up in a place of financial security but not mental or emotional um security at all yeah so like my my family specifically i'm thinking of my mom and my aunt uh not my grandma as much because she's old but my mom and my aunt they're very devious manipulative controlling people yeah. And um, they, they, they were just unsupportive of me as a person. It wasn't about me growing as a person. They didn't give a shit about me as a... I know, right? I was going to be quiet. Should I just wait until... No. All right. Um, but you can't hear that. There is a chopper. really loud motorcycle going by. Sorry, Aaron. Yeah, that's all good. I'll survive. <laughs> um no, they, they were just controlling and manipulative and mentally and emotionally abusive. So I would go from this household where no one was listening to me and I was getting screamed at all the time. Then I would go to school where no one was listening to me and I was getting viewed as just a nigger all the time. And so going back and forth where there's no, there's no safe zone, there's no safe place. And... Uh, and I think it's warped, it warped a good deal of my personality, and now I'm just trying to fix those warps, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, totally, man. I'm sorry to hear that. So growing up, um, you didn't feel like you fit in, I imagine? <laughs> Is that an understatement? No, uh, yeah, no, not at all. Um, it was the classic too black for the white kids, too white for the black kids situation. Oh, dude, I feel you on that, yeah. too. I, uh, we talked about it a little bit before, but, yeah, I've gotten... A little bit of discrimination from all cultures that I'm supposed to be associated with and I think uh, leaves me feeling just very American more than anything else I think and what sucks is I, I don't even feel 
like I'm an American. I, I was, I, you know, I do the street stand up. Yeah. Dude, I said, and I quote, I said, I just want to be treated like an American. And this guy flipped me off and started cursing at me. Because mm, I said terrible. I wanted to be treated like an American. It's interesting that you say that because I remember reading and learning about uh, W.E.B. Du Bois in college. And he wrote a book called The Souls of Black Folk that specifically introduced the world to this concept called double consciousness. Mm -hmm. uh, that is an idea that if you're a black person in America, you have to simultaneously hold this idea of having two identities, one being an American, but also, and before that, to no fault of your own, this other identity that's assigned to you essentially because of the color of your skin secondly as a black american mm. and you have you know like there's this idea that like the two identities coexist within someone that's black because they don't feel completely accepted by a mainstream america and like it kind of sounds like what you're describing you, would you say it's fair i would say that's a hundred percent accurate yeah yeah i'm sorry to hear that dude so i mean did you grow up experiencing racism as well my entire life yeah um i i actually filmed a special um i don't know if you, did i tell you about that mm -mm. I, I felt well air quotes special um, I basically got my own little film crew together and I filmed a quick 20-minute special we're gonna have an intro outro all that stuff and all it is is it's like a one-man show it's one-man show with like a hint of comedy and it's me telling my some of my stories yeah um, no my like my entire life has been steeped in racism um, and I didn't even realize to the extent until everyone's been, until Trump came around and, and everybody's been more open about it. Yeah, it is an unfortunate reality that I've experienced too, is it seems like it's uh, definitely a polarizing time and not everybody's on the side that you hoped. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I got, yo, can I tell you a story before you get to the. Please. So there's this dude, um, he was a comic. I don't think he's a comic anymore. Mm -hmm. And he was a cop and a uh, um, border patrol agent. And Fun. he's very white. Yeah. And um, he looks like he'd be like an extra in American History X. You yeah. know that, that the punk rock scene? Like he'd be in there somewhere with those goddamn metal boots. But uh, I hate <laughs> that those people make you, you associate them with punk rock. I'm sorry, man. No, it, I mean, it's their own fault. Yeah. They, I mean, skinheads did kind of appropriate yeah. that as well. Brown shirts, red hats. Um, always steal cool shit. <laughs> but I'm sorry. no, it's all good. So for years, what would I, we had this this relationship on Facebook where um, a black dude would get shot and killed. Yeah, we would go back and forth about it. It would be forgotten. Then another black dude would get shot and killed. We'd go back and forth about it, and then over and over and over again. And consistently, it was always me saying, I don't think we should deserve to be murdered. And, and I'm, wait, I don't want to be biased. I don't think we deserve to be killed. And he was like, here's why it's justified. And so then, mm, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so then the George Floyd thing happened and I was in my anger mode. I yeah. just cocooned myself in raw rage and I just stared at TikTok and just kept, I don't know if you had TikTok during this. Never. Dude, smart. Oh my, smart. <laughs> Man, when shit hit the fan, yeah. it was nothing but police brutality everywhere. Uh, I can't, I can't watch that. Yeah. And like, I never liked world star videos that yeah. much. Like, extreme violence just doesn't do it for me. Uh, I'm working on it. I'm an angry person. Um, I get it. I get it, but uh, but so I was you know, <laughs> so I was sharing I was sharing all of these videos because I because I was just mad and I was just trying to get it out. Yeah, and oh, 
got at least 50 videos, right? And he, and then eventually the Wendy's one happened. I can't remember that guy's name. There's so many. Uh, the, the guy the who got, who was one? drunk, he got shot. Uh, he was running away from the cops. He got shot at Wendy's. Wendy's. I don't know why I don't remember that specific detail. It doesn't matter. Unfortunately, there's a lot of cases yeah. that have happened. Yeah. And so I post a video about that. And that guy, that same guy who I hadn't talked to in a while, messages me and brings up and is trying to debate about this particular in, in I'm fed up. Like I told him, I basically said my response was I'm, I'm really disappointed and disgusted yeah. that you during quarantine, you didn't check in on me. When George Floyd was killed, you didn't say I'm sorry to hear that this is really terrible. You never, you never acknowledge that this is fucked up. And the only thing you did was, was try to keep pushing your fucked up narrative. And he said, and this really fucking disgusts me. He said that the shooting was righteous. Yeah. And that's fucking gross, man. That's real gross. So I'm, I'm sorry. I don't want to get. I'm working on the anger. No, it's okay. <laughs> I'm working on the anger. I'm working. Trying to, you know, be stay honest calm, more than anything. That's that's what counts here, man. Yeah, so I'm real. just. When it comes to the race stuff, when it comes to where I grew up, I'm 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 in a place where, fuck them. I'm done. I'm done with being, this this shit. It's crazy. You think when you say fuck them, do you mean fuck all police? Or no, no, not, not a, no, no. Because uh, yeah, I'm in that same boat, man. I yeah. have friends that have grown up. I'm sure there's listeners on here that are police. I really don't think all police as individuals are bad people. No, not at all. It's unfortunate that there seems to be a system in place that allows a lot of, of these bad apples, though, to get through with no consequences. And when you see it over and over again, how could you expect people not to be upset? No yeah. No matter what the color of the skin is, but... The fact that it continues to be one, I feel like would be outrageous if I, I was a black person. Yeah. I don't think, honestly, I mean, you know what? The, the bad apples argument, yeah. I w a couple years ago, I would have been like, okay, now I don't think it's bad apple. I think it's a good deal. I think it's more than less. Yeah, I think there's definitely a significant portion, um, unfortunately. It just, But I don't know. I, it's not really my judgment to say, but... You can't argue with the fact that this keeps happening. Yeah. Um, um, and, and, I'm sorry. This is it's okay. your perspective. <laughs> um, in, in terms of the police, my, my mom was in law enforcement. Yeah. So like, and, and I grew up in a, a church that had a bunch of, like, I, I, I acknowledge that obviously not every police officer is evil or bad or whatever, obviously. But clearly enough are where this should be fucking fixed. This needs to get worked on. Yeah. And my issue is, is that these all lives matter, blue lives matter people don't want to change shit. They don't want to improve it. They just wanted to say status quo because they feel fucking comfortable. I'm already getting angry, so I'm trying to. No, it's okay. Be angry though. You I'm, know? I'm just, I'm just so goddamn fed up with it. I'm so like, I'm out on the street talking and shit and I, I try my best to make it funny and light and, and, and be willing to communicate with people Yeah. and like the amount of screaming that happens at me the amount of people that scream at me and flip me off and call me a nigger and just do all this shit this is out here in Redlands yeah California. Redlands yeah Red, fuck Redlands <laughs> not fuck Redlands I'm out here but but like no but yeah Redlands Redlands um, is an incredibly racist area it just has a little less dirt than Riverside so yeah, it's everywhere I go. It feels like I can't escape this shit. I'm so sorry to hear that you feel that way, man. And I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I get it, especially if you keep having experiences like that. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, man, and I, I don't know if there's any simple solutions, but it's uh, recognizing the problem is the beginning, yeah. solving the problem. So, I mean, hopefully peop enough people are starting to open their eyes to this stuff that we can actually get some traction for change. I, I have mixed feelings of yeah. if that's happening or not. Um, I kind of, yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah, I the area I live in is horrifying. I mean, I told you I got guns. Yeah, and you know, uh, you told me another kind of disturbing story uh, that I didn't realize was true when I first heard you talking about it uh, on stage, but you've been stabbed by a skinhead, literally. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'll make that story brief only because it's awful. It's an awful memory. Um, no, it's okay. It's okay. It up, um, no, no, it's fine, man. Um, in in short, uh, that wasn't the first experience I have with skinheads. Um yeah. That's not out of the realm of reality. Um, but I think it was my, I think it was my, my summer going into my freshman year of high school, or maybe it was the summer of my freshman year. I can't remember, man. But yeah, basically, yeah. I, I, I'm trying to, let me get a second. Let me put my words together. Yeah, don't, don't take your time, man. I think with those stories, they're hard for me to wrap my head around because I've been gaslit my whole life. And I've been told, I know we talked about this earlier, but I've been told that what I was experiencing wasn't real or that I was making stuff up or I was exaggerating or was being silly or whatever. And so now, and so, in, you know, when you're told that from childhood into yeah. adulthood and it keeps happening, you get to this place where you're like, I guess I'm just making, maybe I'm just being crazy. To the point where the, even the memory, it feels like I'm making it up. I don't, sometimes I'm like, am I, am I, am I making this up? Like, am I, this story doesn't sound real to me. So absurd in your mind, right? Yeah, yeah, it's absurd. And people keep telling me it's absurd my entire life. So I'm, I start to think like, maybe I'm just making up all this shit. And then, and then I take a second and breathe and think, and I'm like, okay, I'm not, this is real. You're in reality. This is a thing. It's it's hard to put into words. I feel bad because I told I started this off with like I'm happiest I've ever been, and now we're going down this really no, dark. No, I, that's, I think that's me more than anything. I don't mean to bring up the bad people. It's all good. I tend to. I, I, Gerardo uh, explained it well. I tend to put the gas pedal on serious it's for all this good. podcast. But I appreciate you opening up because I think it gives people a lot of perspective on. Yeah. You know, your experience as a person, man, and maybe where you come from. Yeah. And uh, I mean, so growing up, did you ever think that you wanted to be a comedian? I wanted to be a comic since first grade. Yeah. And I didn't even know what it was. Um, I, that. I remember I remember wanting I knew I wanted to do what we're doing, yeah. but I didn't have the words for it or the explanation. And what ended up happening was my family pushed me away from it. And then everyone at school pushed me away from it. All my friends pushed me away from it. All the teachers pushed me away from it. Yeah. Everyone pushed me away from what I knew in my heart I needed to do. And so all of that energy got put towards relationships and girls and shit because I needed to perform for somebody. And it, it, it just led me down this road of unhealthy relationships, unhealthy <laughs> behavior, unhe just everything was unhealthy. And well, it sounds like you were on track to become a comic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I took my lumps for sure. And, um, and 
I, I just, if I seem, to, to go back to the very beginning of people's perception of me, if I seem intense or if I seem condescending or whatever it is, it's just because to me, there is no other option. It is me becoming a stand-up comedy or fucking kill myself. And Don't do that. I will try not to. Um, <laughs> I have guns now. No, but... but <laughs> sorry. Um, no, but, but it's... There is no other option. This is become a stand-up comic. And not only that, I'm in a place where we were talking about this. It's not about the money. It's about being the best. I want to be the best. That, what is that, Pokemon? The I want to be the very oh. best. <laughs> no, I want to be the best. That's like experience. If I'm to try to take a positive from my upbringing, the positive is... I tried to be normal. I tried to do it the way society wanted me to do it. I went to college. I got my degrees. I earned the money. I had the girlfriend. I lived in a fucking apartment. I did all the bullshit, and I was fucking miserable. It didn't matter how much money I made. It didn't matter how nice a thing I got. It didn't matter how attractive the girl was that I fucked. It didn't matter. So it's not about that anymore. It is about being the absolute best at this art form and this craft. And so if I seem... Like do an you asshole. want to be the best version of yourself, or do you want to just be the best comic? Both. Yeah. And I think that they're, they go hand in hand. I think I became a better comedian during quarantine because I actually worked on myself, and I think I became mildly a better person. Yeah, I think there's some truth to that. I think the, the misnomer is that you have to be like a broken soul yeah. in order to be a successful comedian. Um, and that definitely seems to happen to occur in a lot of good comedians, mm. but I don't think being a good comedian is dependent on that. And if anything, I think, like you said, kind of resolving that and doing the work to be a better version of yourself will allow you to be a better comic. Yeah, I th you know who taught me that was uh, Bill Burr, Joe Rogan, Dave Chappelle. Those three put it in my head that like, oh, Great being comedians, a, yeah, yeah. Like there's this perception of comics from like the 80s era where it's like you need to be on drugs You need to have a heroin needle in your arm <laughs> while you're on stage. You need to go out like Mitch Hedberg, but But what what I've come to realize is like, oh, no, I can be happy and yeah. also do comedy It doesn't make me less funny if I'm happy if I'm learning the skills and I'm figuring out the techniques So no, definitely. I agree um and I think that's it's great and it's probably a sign of maturity that you've come to arrive at this point mm. instead of thinking that you have to be a broken, tortured person. Um, but yes, I mean, growing up when you saw that, do you remember who the first comedian you ever saw was uh, in terms of like on TV? I think it was Dat Fan. Yeah? I think that was the first comic I ever saw. And then the first one I latched onto was Chris Rock. Yeah. Yeah. So you think that it's fair to say that he was a big inspiration? Chris Rock, 100%. Um, I have, I've, I've had comedy phases. Yeah. It's like, no, I feel yeah. That. I went through a, a Stanhope and Christopher Titus phase for a while. Um, I'm in a, I'm definitely in a Chappelle phase. I don't know if you saw my plan to meet Dave Chappelle. Oh yeah, dude. That's, that's an amazing <laughs> plan. I, yeah. uh, I have a story about that, that I will tell one day, but I try not to say because I feel like everybody will think I'm full of shit. Um, um, I want to hear it eventually. Yeah, eventually I'll okay. bring it up um, or I'll tell you off. But And I, I've got people from the comedy store that can confirm that it happened or at least one, Matt Billion, wherever you are in the world. I think you were last in the United Arab Emirates. I don't know though. Anyway though, um, yeah, so what else inspired you, man? 
Um, Chris Rock for sure inspired you, you said, right? And what did, what is it about him that inspired you? He was saying things that I could relate to that was about black shit. And I, looking back, I, um, because my home life was dog shit and yeah. going out in the world was terrifying, I reverted into movies and television. Yeah. And then realizing that movies and television were also controlled by a bunch of old white dudes. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, the, Chris Rock was one of the first guys where I'm like, oh, he's black. He's talking about shit that I can relate to. Like, I love Friday and I mm -hmm. love Boys in the Hood and shit, but that wasn't my life. I hear you on that, man. I, it wasn't my life either, but I love those movies and yeah. can definitely relate to it. Uh, it's kind of my cousin's life, unfortunately. But yeah, it, I don't think you have to live in order to get it and yeah. to understand. But Chris Rock was the first to, to talk about things where I was like, oh shit, that's really intelligent. Yeah. That's really smart and that's really clever and, and, and that's interesting. And yeah, I'm sorry. I'll, 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 no, sorry no, I wasn't going to say. Um, but Chris Rock and then music, Rage Against the Machine and, uh, and Tupac, Biggie and NWA, Wu-Tang Clan. Like music, film and, and stand up. Those are the trifecta for me. And I, I love it's it's like it's, it's a way to express yourself in, in, a, in, a, in a way that people will emotionally connect to they'll get it like i i didn't know but i you said i felt mis seem misunderstood mm -hmm. that's a fucking underrated statement i think for my whole <laughs> goddamn life and and so for me stand up it, it, the better i get at it the more it allows me to communicate this and feel less misunderstood it feels so like sorry i'm off all, all over the no, place but please. one of the reasons i'm the happiest i've ever been is because through the street stand up this is the first time I've gotten consistent positive reinforcement in my entire life. That's 29 years of misery. And like, when I, when I go out to that little spot, there's, the people recognize me now and they're like, Aaron, Aaron Chase, honk, and they, they, give me high, they don't give so me high cool. fives. But yeah, man, they, and they, they, they talk, I've had people, like I'm out there being preachy and shit, so I need to work, I was saying this earlier, I need to work on, um, being funny but I, <laughs> I've been out there being preachy and saying my shit and as much as many people have been flipping me off and cursing at me there have been just as many if not more coming up with tears in their eyes saying that thank you and that that they they appreciate that I'm saying this stuff and they hope I'm safe and yeah <laughs> it's on, I'm real nervous out there too I'm sorry to hear that man uh. you shouldn't go alone as much as you do but I mean and let's kind of backtrack a little bit because I know I know what you're talking about, but not everybody necessarily knows. Uh, for those that don't uh, know, long before quarantine uh, even started, and you're not the first to do this, but you're definitely the first to do it out here. Mm. Um, Aaron started doing stand-up in a public space in downtown Redlands, literally just setting up with a PA on a car battery, board, right? <laughs> yeah. And like that's, and he just goes out there on the corner and you know preaches to the streets. Yeah, basically. Literally. And uh, you've actually gained a following. I think you were featured in an NPR. Yeah, they did an NPR right? interview. That was really crazy. That's fucking cool, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Congratulations. That's like a real credit. Thank you. It, yeah, it's dude. weird. Was this surreal to actually get... Well, you, you just said it. Like, for the first time in your life, you feel like you're being acknowledged. And yeah, man. Valid. Positive People are being... 
nice to me. Like, it's, I, when I was in college, um, yeah. I, did, I, I did a bunch of shows and improv and stuff. And in college, I was a device, I was a divisive person. People either loved me or they fucking hated me. And I'm trying to get to a place of accepting that my personality is a divisive one. And, and I think part of that that's helping with that is being alone and folks, sorry man, being my, my phone's fucking up. Uh, being alone, focusing on myself and just what, what, what um, Kevin Hart said, I think it was on his second episode with Rogan, me versus me. I really like that. It's me versus me. And that's how I've been taking it. And it, and it makes me feel better. I don't, I don't know. I'm all over the place. <laughs> no, dude, it's okay. Uh, people in general are very complex beings. Yeah. So you don't always have to articulate the feelings as much or as perfectly as you think you should. Yeah. Um, there's no reason to apologize. So oh, enjoy you, this conversation. Oh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man. So needless to say, comedy is it for you this is what you're gonna do it is i i am you don't want anything else out of life not necessarily well, yeah when i when i get to a place or of the, the grander thing i should say yeah yeah that like if i can if i can make a film or if i can make music awesome i'll do that but at the end of the day this is what i'm going to do i could give a it's i could give a fuck about what anyone says or thinks i am doing this and that's why I was so confused when you brought up that people thought that I was, I didn't want other people to succeed. I could, and I don't want this to sound crass, but I could give a fuck what other people are doing. I just want to do stand-up comedy. I don't care if you're, I, I care about my friend. Like I was just bothering Alec Damani last night because I saw what I do. Yeah. Um, I got high and I was like, I was reading, I, I got high, I was reading through my old journal. And I, I found this moment that would push me, propelled me even further into stand-up. And I messaged him and I was like, Alec, you need to keep working hard. And I was just projecting all my shit onto him. But, but for the most part, like, I, I want you to succeed, but I, it has nothing to do with whether I succeed or not. This is about me versus fucking me. You got tunnel vision. Yeah, man. You're going to be the best version of you ever. Yes, I'm going to be the best version of me. And I want to be, I want to be the best comic. Like... I want and ever, ever. I want, I want people to see my name on the list and say, fuck, I'm behind him. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I want. And I'm I no, get it, dude. I yeah. Get it. You want to be great at this. Oh, fuck. Yeah, dude. I, I've been saying from the beginning too, like I want to kill. Yeah. And I cannot wait till that is realized yeah. and consistently. I feel, you know, what? I think maybe it's, maybe it's kind of a selfish goal to have in mind, but at the same time, dude, I think. It's a good goal to have in mind because even if you never get to perfection, as long as you're striving for greatness, I think you're going to get at least really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's that's great to hear, man. Um, so with that all in mind, uh, how old are you? You're 28. 29. 29. Yeah, man. Like you're 29. You're coming, becoming the best version of yourself so far. Uh, you've learned a lot. What? If you could go back in time and give your younger self any sort of advice, <laughs> you think there's anything that comes to mind? Dude, what, how, old, how old are we talking? Because it would know. change. I don't know. The, All right. You choose. And Elementary school? I'll do this piece by piece because yeah, it changes. Not? Elementary school, I'd be like, hey, little buddy. Hey, man. All right. <laughs> I, know it's, I know this is weird. Just, if I, were to, okay, if I were to give my elementary school self-advice, it would be, Turn off the TV, 
turn off the movie, turn off the, just turn everything off and be okay with silence and be okay with being alone. That's what I would say. In middle school, I would say, hey, little buddy. No, I probably wouldn't do it. I would, I'd be like, hey, fucker. <laughs> hey, little piece of shit. <laughs> I would say, oh my God, there's a kid over there. My bad, man. Um, but if I were to go to my middle school self, I would be like, hey, man, girls, don't worry about girls right now. I know you want to be a comedian. Start watching comedy and start trying to write. And then in high school, I would say, fuck all this bullshit that's going on right here. Fuck all the drama. Fuck trying to get a girlfriend. Fuck all the plays. Fuck all that stuff. Go out to find an open mic. Find somebody who can give you a ride. Do whatever you need to do to do that. And then in college, I would say, why the fuck are you in college? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> And go do stand-up goddamn comedy. Um, if that, that would be the advice I would give to myself. But then, and this is cliche, but then it would then change who I am now. I wouldn't be the person, oh, cute shit. No, I hear you. But it's interesting to hear everybody's perspective and take on that. Because I feel like it tells you a lot about them as individuals. What, um, what have other people been saying? Everybody's different, man. That's really? what I love about this is that uh, I use essentially the same prompt of questions. And granted, every conversation is unique and organic just in that we're all unique and organic people but uh each one comes out completely different yeah every episode showcases a different perspective of life hmm. from various walks of life i need and I'm to really glad that uh it's coming out and turning out the way it is yeah man i i, I know you're supposed to interview me but nah. what has it been like um getting to know all these people how does it change you you know, it gives me more perspective, uh, and that's really all I was aiming for, I think, in creating, or that's one big thing I was aiming for. Makes me realize how very unique and similar we are at the same time. Uh, every person I've talked to is very much their own unique person um, with their own set of circumstances that have shaped their viewpoints on the world. Uh, but it's always amazing to me to see the crossover and to see that very specific things that inspire people or that people think about um, end up becoming themes almost throughout the episodes. You know, because I think when you get to it, man, uh, just by the nature of being human, we're all pretty similar, you know, at the core of it, despite what our backgrounds are. And I think I told, said this on Chica's podcast too. Um, we all generally want the same thing. Everybody just wants to lead a good life and the opportunity to do so. You've done mushrooms before, haven't you? When I was younger, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm hearing but, a lot of um, love, a lot of Care Bear shit going yeah, on. I well, like it. But it is, though. Yeah, yeah, That's I who I am as a person, man. I wouldn't have been uh, become a nurse if I didn't care and love people in yeah. general and humanity. You know, and that's uh, part of what guides me in stand-up, too, believe it or not. Even though I, I've kind of gotten to a point, too, where I think no matter what, uh, I'm never stopping. Yeah. I am on this mission to become the best version of me, and I would love to be the best comic. But um, oh, you gotta you gotta pass me up, then, bitch. Let's do this. Let's do it, dude. <laughs> I mean, you know what though? But at the same time, I don't want you to fail either. Yeah, you know? no, I, same, same. There's a weird camaraderie behind all this too, especially since we started out. Like, uh, interesting tidbit, and you can really go t tune into Aaron's podcast. Aaron has a whole network of podcasts, <laughs> but. The ones in particular that are interesting to me, that feature me, are the BuddyCast ones. And I, I was on two of them. Listen to the very first one. You'll get a perspective of what I was like at the very start of this journey. Um, but the reality is, like, Aaron is responsible for the first mic that I ever did. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't tell anybody that it was my first time. Huh. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, dude, I uh, I didn't tell anybody, and you were the one that kind of convinced me that night to just do it. Oh, I was being preachy? And, uh, not preachy. No, uh, I remember going to a lot of... I'll be honest with you, uh, and this isn't about me, so I apologize to the viewers, or the listeners, I should say. But uh, I'm going to get into the story briefly. Okay. I didn't really intend to become a comedian. Uh, it's always been in my life. I've always looked up to it. Um, there's a lot of instances where you could make an argument that maybe I was destined to do it. And, you know, I, I've done a lot that kind of led up to it. I firmly believe that. But the reality was um, I didn't really think it was an option. I didn't have any intention of it. Uh, I was kind of resolving to the idea of, like, being married and settled down and going a completely different path. And then that didn't work out, and I kind of went into a deep depression and started finding myself again. And then I started going to comedy clubs for the first time in years again. And then I started going to comedy clubs and noticing that some of these people uh, didn't seem the best, not to talk shit or anything, but I think that's kind of how it starts. And then they would talk about open mics. So then I started going to random open mics, seeing what was available in the area. And then uh, I remember finding the hideaway mic over there <laughs> yeah. on Mission Inn and going in. And I think I went to like two of them. And then on the second or third time doing it, going to watch it, I told my friend on the way there, I'm doing it tonight. And he's like, what? And I'm like, I'm doing it tonight. I'm finally going to do it. Because no offense, but there's some people at open mics that you feel like, I can do it at least that good, yeah, if not better. Not everybody, but for sure some. And that's where it starts, man. And I uh, I almost didn't do it. Uh, I didn't have any material prepared. I just had a story that I always told friends that always got laughs. Um, and I almost didn't do it, man. I almost backed out while I was waiting. And I even told you to get... The guy ahead of me, which is William Henderson. I remember this. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. And you're like, are you sh are you sure? And I had also switched spots with Mondo. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So like Mondo or Mondo Torres, who was supposed <laughs> to be uh, earlier in the night or no later in the night, but he wanted to go so he could go to another mic, and I switched with him. But yeah, I almost didn't do it, and I had to bring William up, and I think he was upset on the mic because he wasn't planning he wasn't on going ready. up. <laughs> Yeah, which I realize now, uh, you always got to be ready. Yeah. If you're yeah. out of mic, you got to be ready. Yeah, Henderson, stop being a bitch. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, I like William Henderson, actually. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no. So I remember he went up. He was a little upset, and I felt so bad that he was upset that I was like, all right, I guess I got to do it. And then I did it, and it was five minutes of me telling a story to silence. Yeah. Nobody got the jokes. I told the story out of order. I forgot to put beats and jokes in it wasn't really humorous at all <laughs> that i think my buddy has a recording of that he might have a recording of that but it, it was just five minutes of silence and for whatever reason uh i was hooked i knew that this wasn't as bad as i thought it was i wasn't as scary and then i realized like the bigger thing isn't getting over the stage fright it's mastering your message and i think since then i've just been trying to figure out what that is for me Dude, you've gotten so zen since I met you. Yeah? Yeah, man. I, I mean, I've been trying to do a lot of work on myself, too, dude. I, yeah. And uh, 
Yeah, conflict doesn't do as much good as you hope. Yeah, you I'm hold on to it sometimes. I'm, I'm, yeah, man. I dude, but thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know. I guess technically it's supposed to be about me, so I'll talk more. Um, yeah, no. Um, and I gotta say too, like it's been awesome to see you growing as a person oh, too, thanks. man. In a little bit of amount of time that I know you as well, and I think uh, it's cool. It's cool to see everybody growing and. It's going to be interesting to see where we're at in two years. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I just, I'm just excited for the first time in the future. Like I, it, as long as nothing happens to me, as long as nobody lynches me, yeah, I should be okay. Um, but I'm, I'm super confident. Like I've gotten to this place where I'm like, oh no, I'm going to make it. Not, not, and, and well, cause you're not going to stop. No, I'm not. I'm not going to I'm stop. I'm in that same boat, dude. Like eventually this is going to get traction yeah. and, uh, we're going to take off. Yeah. Um, and if it doesn't happen, well, we're going to die trying. That's ex right? yes. <laughs> um, get I mean, funny I, or die trying. Okay. Sorry. I need to make that. Stupid. I know that's immediately popped in my mind too. It yeah. needs to be a shirt or a bumper sticker. Maybe I'm sure someone's done it. We got to check Amazon. Yeah. Um, what were but, you saying? I was going to say, um, so we did a little bit of advice for your younger self, but if there was some advice that you could offer to the comedy world at large and just to people in general, uh, is there anything that comes to mind? Search your wisdom. <laughs> um, uh, like life advice or? Whatever, man. Do mushrooms. No. Um, <laughs> when uh, you're younger. When you're younger, do mushrooms. <laughs> um, life advice. Um, I would say... Follow your gut. If your gut's telling you to do something, unless it's like murder people, if your gut is telling you to do something, follow that. And if people, if your gut's telling you to do something and everyone else around you is telling you not to do that thing, fuck all of those people and follow your gut. That's what I would say. All right, man. Well, we're wrapping up. Uh, before we get going, is there anything that you would like people to check out? Any quotes you remember or... Uh Anything you want to promote? Um, I'm putting out this comedy special. I can't even call it a comedy special. I'm putting out this one-man show with a hint of comedy. Um, it's like when you get those those uh, chips, those Mexican chips with a hint of lime. Yeah. Uh, but I'm putting that out in, like, I think about a month. Okay. Um, so I'll, I'll post that on the gram. My Instagram's Aaron Chase 91 That's A-A-Ron. Chase, like the bank, 91 year of the Rugrats. Um, what else? I, I do, whenever we go back to being able to do shows again, the buddy system will still exist, but just know I'm not going to be doing it the same way I, I was before. And if, if, there, if, if, I, if anyone's listening who does have an issue with me, by all means, please message me the way Danny did, because I'll talk to you. We'll hash it out. I, I, I would imagine there was probably some sort of miscommunication. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess just... Thank you. I, I, I've lived my entire life in misery. And I know that sounds hyperbolic, but like, I, I don't think I'm exaggerating too much when I say that. I've lived my, ask Stephen Roth. I lived my entire life in misery. And now that I don't feel miserable anymore, I feel this, this place of uh, absolute appreciation for where I'm at and appreciation for the people that have been nice out here, appreciation for what I found. I found my purpose of comedy and uh, appreciation that you were willing to uh, just talk to me and talk to me straight about whatever the issues were. Oh, dude, no, it's my pleasure. Uh, like I said, we all win by conversing with each other. Yeah. By talking to each other, 
you'd be surprised how quickly differences disappear and you realize you're on the same page. Yeah. All right, Aaron. Uh, well, we're going to go, but before we get going, I usually ask people to give me one song that's special or meaningful to them at the end uh, <laughs> for people to look up. Does anything come to mind? Yeah, man. Tell Fucking um, Mac Miller, good news from his, his posthumous album. And do you want me to explain why? Yeah, why not? Okay. My entire life of this, this, this over-traumatic uh, Edgar Allan Poe misery thing that I've been on, uh, my entire life people would tell me, like, Aaron, you got to be happy. Just be positive. Be happy. Be mindful. Whatever dumb shit. And they would never give practical. It was never like, here's how you start to try to be happy. This is a process. It's like going to a fat person and be like, hey, motherfucker, get skinny. <laughs> it's, it's not that easy. Right, you yeah. got it's a ba- you it's a process, it yeah. And so people would um, people would just tell me to be happy. And in his song "Good News," it the, the way I interpret it, I, I don't know. I, he's never done an interview about it because he's dead. But the way I interpret it is like everybody wants to hear only good things, and people refuse to hear when you're not doing well because it makes them feel bad. And it's like that song when I hear that song I'm like yes everyone wants to hear it when I'm happy and positive and shit but no one's willing to help me when I'm not positive and so I like that song that was a shitty ending to so much passion I had so much build up you identify with that song I identify with that (laughs) song yeah 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 no dude don't judge yourself too bad well you're you're a decent person believe it or not well I know you don't believe it I don't at all but you are (laughs) thanks all right, well, from live again from downtown Redlands uh, at the State Restaurant with Aaron Chase. This is Danny Franks, Walks of Life. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you. Thank you.